0: At the end of the day, projects stand on their own. So you can be a completely unknown designer and get an incredible spread in Architectural Digest if all the pieces line up. I mean, it has to be world class. Have you hit a
1: wall when it comes to growing your business? Then welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast helping home professionals and luxury brands accelerate their success with proven marketing strategies and expert industry practices. Now, here's your host, Darla Powell. Hey there, and welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I'm your host, the Grand High Poobah, of all things at Wingnut Social, Darla Jethro Powell. Jethro may or may not be my real middle name, but My middle name does start with a J. Put down in the comments what you think that might be. I'll let you know if you're right or not. Today's guest, Molly Schoeneveld, is going to walk us through how to get published in uh, some uh, pretty heavy hitting interior design shelter magazines. So stay tuned. You're not going to want to miss that. We have do's and don'ts, a really great interview by someone who's actually managed to do that on behalf of her clients from the storied group, a PR firm that Molly Schoeneveld owns. Um, But first, before we get into that, we have some housekeeping. Our Wingnut webinar for July. If you head on over to wingnutsocial.com, check out Wingnut Academy in the drop down. You'll have all the information on who this month's guest is the topic and it's free. And you can always catch the replay for now, at least on our YouTube channel, check out the playlist for the webinars. And um, make sure to hit that subscribe and that like button so you don't miss any of these webinars when they come up just in case and you can catch all the latest episodes with our guest and our topics for growing your interior design business marketing and growing your interior design business. Um, so that's it short and sweet for housekeeping. But now Y'all know what time it is. Time for mini news, mini news sesh. Yeah.
2: All right. Hi, I am Emily Lisi, digital content manager. And today I am here with Abigail, who is our social media manager here at Wingnut. Today, Abby, what is the news you have?
3: Yeah, so today I'm coming at you with a really exciting update for LinkedIn. And that is that they're adding a brand new and much more simplified repost option within the share menu that you're going to want to hear because it's going to make your original posts receive a lot more impressions and engagement. So... The way that it is currently on LinkedIn is that the only way you can reshare posts is by resharing with a comment, which means that the original post isn't the one receiving the engagement and the impressions. So we don't want that. We don't want the reposter getting credit for your posts. So with this new update, you'll be able to reshare a post without having to share with a comment. So I've basically been thinking of it as a retweet in a way. You'll just be able to click the share button and share it right away. So this is great for people who maybe don't have as great of an engagement rate on their business page per se, their personal profile. So if I were to post on my business page, hey, happy Wednesday, um, drop a coffee emoji below. No one's going to comment on that because I don't have very many business profile followers. But if I click the reshare button and share it to my personal page, which, you know, maybe has 10,000 connections, those 10,000 connections are going to be able to see it as the original post and interact with it that way. So the original post will still be the one receiving all of the credit.
2: Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for this update. I know (laughs) it's really exciting. Like you said, I see so many business accounts that just aren't getting engagement Mm Mm-hmm when the owner of the business has hundreds of thousands of connections that could be seeing those posts. So this is going to be amazing for that. Mm -hmm, Really exciting. Yep. So yeah, guys, if you have a business page that you are just lacking engagement with, go to your personal page and repost that post because it's going to get that engagement that you're looking for. So I'm excited to see how this kind of Works out to see how much more engagement posts are going to get because of this. So that'll be interesting to take a look at. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. All right. Well, thank you, Abby, for this awesome news update. Of course. We'll be back next week with more mini news. Bye. Mini news.
1: Sesh. Yeah. yeah. All right, now let's get into my conversation with Molly Schoeneveld, but first, y'all know the drill. Let me tell you a little bit about Molly. Molly Schoeneveld is an award-winning PR strategist behind her luxury public relations firm, The Storied Group. Molly has a niche expertise representing the industry's top interior designers, celebrities, and hotels, or she likes to say talented faces, spaces, and places. Very catchy, Molly. With 20 plus years of experience, she has secured countless notable press placements, including Architectural Digest, El Decor, and Vogue. Some serious heavy hitters. Wingnuts, help me in welcoming Molly Schoeneveld to the show. Hey there, Molly Schoeneveld, welcome to the show. How the hell are you?
0: I am hella good. Great to be here. <laughs> how are you, Darla?
1: I'm so excited to have you here. We're gonna, Today we're going to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart as a uh, former interior designer, I guess. I used to have a full-time interior design firm in Miami, Florida, and that is how to get published. And I'm going to ask you the. I'm going to just start off. I'm going to go for it. How the hell do we get published in Architectural Digest? Ooh,
0: starting <laughs> off with a big one. <laughs> All right. So
1: that's that's a little bit of a teaser. But before we do get into some questions and, and leave the audience with some tips and tricks on how to get published and some of the best practices to go about doing that, just tell the audience a little about who you are and how you help them and uh, why you're such an expert in this field.
0: Molly Shoniveld is my name. I own a PR firm called the Storied Group. I have been representing interior designers since I first started my business in 2008. I have a celebrity PR background. So I worked for one of the largest celebrity PR firms here in Los Angeles when I first started out in my career. And so I've worked with both designers who... Just want to have very successful firms. And then I've worked with those who really want to have personal brands and reach household name status. So I've seen both sides of this, and I help designers, you know, stand out in a saturated market, have more credibility, and just build a bigger name for themselves and their businesses.
1: Wow, what a really cool gig. I love that. That must be fun. Or is that like, um, you know, when people go to interior designer to say, Oh, how fun would it be to shop?
0: (laughs) Right. I'll tell you this. It's really fun when you get the press. And it's such a high and I love it that I have a team who also gets a high off of that. So we're very uh, competitive within our team in terms of like, it just feels so good to get our clients press. So we work really hard to do it.
1: Okay, well, let's start out with some of the what we shouldn't be doing. So if you're out there listening, and you hear some of these pop up, keep listening, keep listening on through because we're going to say what you should be doing. So let's talk about with some of the don'ts. What are some of the biggest mistakes you see that designers are making and trying to get projects published? So
0: this is the hill I'm going to die on, I swear. So it's, (laughs) it, it always comes down to photos. Because now more than ever, magazines, whether it's digital and a lot of times print too, they're not doing reshoots. Some of the bigger books are Architectural Digest, El Decor, Better Homes and Gardens will reshoot. But what you are turning in is what is going to run in a magazine. And so... The number one biggest mistake is not having enough photos to make a full story. So if you're talking about something like Lux Magazine, their design features can be 10, 12 pages. And so you've got to have enough of a variety. Some designers think that if they hire the biggest and best photographer in the design business that that means an automatic yes from a magazine and it's just simply not the case because a lot of times those same designers can't afford to get a full range of images so they'll come to me and say, oh, I just shot this project and they send me eight to 10 images and it's simply not enough, not enough for a full home tour. Now that doesn't mean that hmm. you can't get published in roundups, you know, of best kitchens or bathrooms or paint colors or things like that. And those features are great. But if we're talking about getting featured as a full home tour, then I need to see 25 to 30 images.
1: Wow. Can it be 25 to 30 images of a living room or you're talking this should be ideally a whole home? So
0: that's a different ballgame. So if you're talking about one room features, then, you know, obviously less photos is fine. But if you're talking about getting this beautiful eight to 10 page spread of an entire home, that's when you need more.
1: I see. Okay. Um, It's been, like I said, a hot minute since we've discussed this topic about getting published. I mean, it might even have been a year and a half, two years, maybe more ago, because I'm on COVID time. It seems like just yesterday, (laughs) right? (laughs) The prevailing train of thought was take overview pictures of the space. And if they decide to choose your project, they'll send out a professional photographer and they'll shoot those 25 images. You're saying that's changing or was that
0: sometimes it depends on the outlet, but I'll give you an example. What a recent big feature that I got a client in A D, it ran AD digital because they're putting a huge focus on digital as well. So it's become as competitive as print, pretty much. They didn't reshoot the project. And this was a celebrity chef. It was a big interior designer. And the photos that I sent them are the photos that ran. So it just depends.
1: Wow, an Architectural Digest. They must have been pretty good, though. Come on.
0: They
3: were amazing. But honestly,
0: that's the bar, right? I mean, I don't know if you are a Hacks fan, but I'm a huge Hacks fan. And there was this great episode recently that she said, you know, good is the minimum. Being good, it's like, if you want to get an AD, which is arguably the best, right? I mean, at least in terms of clout, in terms of just reputation, it's at least one of the best you know, you've got to be so much more than just good. So the photos that you're sending in, you know, unless you're best friends with the editor, and you're on a texting relationship, where you can just send an iPhone shot and get a real answer, then you need to be shooting your projects as if they're going to run in the magazine.
1: So you don't think that there's Really, any advantage to getting a photographer who has a history or a connection with working with El Decor or Architectural Digest in that respect? Or would there be an advantage if you can afford them to do 25 photos?
0: Of course, there are advantages in terms of if you want to be in a specific magazine and you're going to use a photographer who shoots for that magazine a lot. The advantages is not so much oh, that this photographer can get you published. The advantage is this photographer knows what the magazine is looking for. The photographer understands the angles that they like. Do they like to see a room shot more completely so that you're seeing exactly what the room looks like. Did they like more vignettes? What kind of styling do they like? Like those are the types of things that a photographer can help with. But I can tell you right now, like I have never had an instance where a magazine said yes to a project simply based on the photographer because there's so many things that come into play when you're talking about getting published and many of those things aren't in your control. So it's editorial calendars, you know, did they just publish a green kitchen? You know, have they published 25 green kitchens (laughs) or like, you know, now they're moving on to yellow or whatever it is. I mean, there's so many of those things that just simply you can't control. So the thing that you can control is images. And so I feel like, you know, you need to work with a photographer who really understands editorial and understands what the magazines are looking for. But I just don't think it necessarily matters that you're hiring this particular photographer because they've worked for this magazine.
1: All right. So I'm an aspiring interior designer. I have a project. I think, you know, I got 25 shots in me. This is a pretty good project. I want to submit it to uh, Architectural Digest or to El Decor or, you know, another magazine that fits my aesthetic, which is super important, which we'll also talk yep. about. I need to hire a professional photographer to do this. How do I make that connection to make sure I've I've hired the right fit as a photographer? If I can't afford super expensive Architectural Digest photographer, what's the next best uh, road to go there? Get
0: recommendations from people in your industry and they don't have to be competitors. You know, it could be a publicist, it could be a coach, somebody that knows somebody else that's used somebody. Because the thing is that I've learned through the years of working with all kinds of photographers. I mean, I've worked with Annie Leibovitz. I've worked with huge, huge photographers. And then I've worked with people just starting out. But the thing is, work is one thing. And to look at a body of work and say, I love the way that they shoot this photography. That's great. And you can look at that on Instagram. You know, you can dig and you can use hashtags to try to location search photographers in your area and look to see who other designers in your area are using. But I will tell you that just because somebody has a great body of work doesn't mean that they're great to work with. And I feel (laughs) like that is equally as important. It's like, are they going to stick it to you when you get this project published and the magazine wants to actually run the photos, are they going to then come back and say, we've got to pay me $10,000 more now? You know, how are they to work with just during the process? You know, do they shoot slow? Do they shoot fast? Do they take your time? Like, do you guys jive? And especially if you are going to be in the images, that's where you really want to make sure that personality-wise... You guys are a fit because eventually, like once you work with somebody, hopefully you develop a relationship and they can start shooting all your projects and it just gets better. The work that you're getting in your your photos just continues to improve because you guys have this sort of jive.
1: Right. There's a fine balance too to find some. I mean, there's brand and lifestyle photographers who that's all they do. Mm-hmm. There's architectural photographers. That's all they do. There's social media photographers. That's all they do. So you kind of have to find, <laughs> you know, a unicorn sometimes in a photographer, especially now today with digital marketing. And you had mentioned that I had this thought, but of course I'm on menopause time delay, <laughs> brain delay, that architectural digest, right, is pushing their digital content, the digital content, and it's just as competitive as the print. And I'm sure you've noticed, and, uh, if you're listening out there, you've noticed that Architectural Digest used to be like yay thick. And now it's like a very slim because they are pushing a lot of digital content. So if you're doubting that digital is the way of the future, I mean, your design magazines that have been around forever <laughs> are, the, are as thin as a nickel <laughs>
0: because yeah. they're on digital. Well, and it's not even just the digital site, but Connie Nast in general across the board is putting a huge focus on YouTube. And the head of Condé Nast was just interviewed on a New York Times podcast talking about this. But I've even seen it because I have a client who was cast in a YouTube show for AD. Mm-hmm. And so cool. that's been a really interesting process. And it's only going to get bigger, I think. So it's another great place for designers to be pitching themselves or to have their publicists pitching them.
1: Let's talk about that right now. Do you think having a successful YouTube channel or at least a presence on YouTube, walking through your homes, walking through your designs is going to help sweeten that sauce to get you, you published?
0: It's not going to help you get published. But if okay. your goal is to be on, to have a television show or to be an expert mm-hmm. on television, then having what we ancient publicists call from back in the day, having tape is important. (laughs) Um, And if you don't already have tape, then certainly doing YouTube, doing reels. I mean, we're seeing, I mean, I'm sure you could talk all day about how Instagram is turning into TikTok. It really just depends on your goal. I mean, at the end of the day, projects stand on their own. So you can be a completely unknown designer and get an incredible spread in Architectural Digest of all the pieces line up. I mean, it has to be world-class, right? And some might argue you might have to have a celebrity homeowner. I mean, it just depends. There's a many things that make an editor say yes to a project, but I don't think that having a YouTube channel is going to help you get published. Get
1: published per se, okay. Okay, I'm glad you said that some would argue that a celebrity client is key. And I have noticed that AD, on all their covers now, It's celebrity client. Here's the celebrity client. Here's their home. Here's the walkthrough of the celebrity client home. How screwed are you if you don't have a celebrity client? Are you relegating yourself to the back page?
0: Not necessarily. It's going to be difficult, if not impossible, to get a cover because, and I've said this my entire career, whether it's working with actors who want to be on covers of magazines, it's like the reason someone is put on a cover is because they think they're going to sell the magazine. And so... That has everything to do, and I'll tell you a story about AD. The very first story that I got in Architectural Digest was with my client, Hammer and Spear, who is a design firm based in LA, and they were very up and coming at the time, and their first client happened to be the founder of Tom Shoes. And the budget was endless. (laughs) The budget was whatever the designer wanted it to be, and so everything was custom. It was incredible, and I just knew. And this was before really that they were putting a celebrity on the cover every single month, but they still were putting celebrities on covers. And I thought, oh my god, this story has a chance of getting a cover. It's for their entrepreneur issue. It just really made sense. And then Nate Berkus was on the cover of that issue, and I was like, of course he was Nate. <laughs> Burgess sells issues of A D, not like Mykowski for as much as he's done, you know?
1: It is hard to compete with with that. I would be thrilled being inside Absolutely. the magazine, not necessarily on the cover, so <laughs> So Wingnut Social has been making quite the mark with our full service social media marketing services for intent adjacent verticals. But did you know that we also offer search engine optimization? Search engine optimization is how you get found on the Googles, how your ideal client sees you when they're typing in interior designer in Miami, Florida. You want Susan McNuggets interior design to pop up. And there's a way to do that to optimize your website on both an off page and on page way, ongoing SEO with link building and blogging and all kinds of good stuff. And yes, we do all of that for you. And that's one of the most impactful ways for you to be found in an organic way by your ideal client. And even if you're doing ads, Google ads, pay-per-click ads, if your website is optimized and up-to-date in a healthy SEO way, you're going to be paying less for your ads because it's all about quality, baby, and getting found by your ideal client and offering that great experience on the Googles. So head on over to wingnutsocial.com. Check out the SEO audit. That is where everything SEO at Wingnut starts. We'll go in and we'll do a deep dive on your website and see what's broken and how to fix it. And you can get our recommendations for what ongoing SEO would look like moving forward. That's wingnutsocial.com. So let's go back to the photographer a bit because you did touch on something about when they take a, a photo shoot of your project and then maybe you're, you do have it picked up by someone and they're like, oh, you know, it's really good. Here's an extra 10K invoice for you. When you're looking and you're going in to hire a photographer for that to avoid that, what kind of things are you looking for in the contract to avoid that? I guess the risk of being redundant. And the reason I ask is we did a webinar very recently, a couple of months ago, with Linda Holt, who was, uh, it was all about iPhone photography for your interior design business. And there was a huge amount of interest in it because a photographers doing just this. You know, people wanting to own their own credits their own rights to their own photos. So help us out with that.
0: Yes, this uh, makes me just so sad for designers when things like this happen. So I actually had an instance where a design client of mine misinterpreted the contract. And what the contract said was, she could use the photos to pitch the media. The contract did not say she could use the photos to run in the media and it was a it was a big problem because you know she was getting this great feature and those were the only photos that she had and i think she she ended up settling with the photographer i don't know if she had to pay him more money or not but i'm telling you like don't just glance over photography contracts and if you don't really understand i mean it pays to have an attorney to look over the contract to make sure that you're understanding exactly what it says because I always say, you know, there are many photographers out there who are willing to get you 25 to 30 images of your entire project in one day. They don't take two days to shoot. And I know that some old school photographers do that. And that's how they do editorial. I mean, they're taking, you know, an hour per, sh- you know, two hours per shot. I get it. But for scouting shots, even if they're going to run online I mean, that's a very long time. I don't generally work with those photographers very much, but I would say, first of all, making sure that it's clear how many finished images you're going to get in the end, even if it's an estimate, making sure that you're able to use them in the press and not have to pay more for that, making sure that you can use them on your website. I mean, those are the top three.
1: For sure. You don't want to be at the end of that and be like, oh my God, I'm so excited. I got published in Domino Magazine or El El Decor and (laughs) and the the photographer comes at you with uh, his attorneys. And
0: And that happens more than you would think. I mean, a lot of designers will come to me and I'll say, I'm just making sure that you have the right to, these can run in Domino or whatever. And they'll say, let me go check with a photographer. And that should never be something you have to check with a photographer. That should be very clear upfront before you hire them.
1: Yeah, thank you for that. There's always been this knowledge in the industry, since social media has been alive and well, not to publish your latest photos, your latest projects, if you have any intention at all on submitting them to a magazine. Is that still the case? Has that changed at all?
0: It has changed. And every magazine is different. What I would say is this, and I think that Kelly Lamb, the editorial director of Room Media, explained it best to me and said, you know, we want press to be this moment, you know, where you're revealing something for the first time to your audience. And when you've already shared it on your social media, then it's sort of like, wah, wah, we've seen that you know what I mean? So you are sort of taking away even that thing from y- yourself in getting the standing ovation when the press comes out, because if you've already shared it, they've seen it. I'll say this. I mean, when it comes to like AD, they're going to care. You know, if this is a, a world-class project, especially if there's a celebrity attached, they're going to want to be the ones to debut it. And in fact, the last project that I did with the celebrity chef on AD Digital, they had embargoed the images and AD didn't pay for the images. The client paid for the images and they still had an embargo, meaning you could not run them anywhere else for I think six months after it hit digital.
1: Wow. <laughs> Even on their own social?
0: No, you could share the, on the social, but it oh, couldn't. Okay. you couldn't give it to any other outlet. But in terms of your own social, I always tell clients this. Don't share hero images. Like it's fine if you want to share a vignette, Share a little snippet, okay. tease the project because you want to build some hype. But the minute you've shared that hero image of the living room or the kitchen, that moment, then it's gone. you've you've shared it. People have then seen it.
1: Corey Damon Jenkins had some really great advice. Um, He and I were on a panel together at High Point, gosh, back before COVID, really. And we want to, we want that instant gratification, right? We get so excited, we get those photos back. We want to share it on social. It's so gorgeous. We want to get clients from the work. But he said, just hold on to it. Hold on to the stories behind the scenes. Hold on to the in progress shots. Hold on to the done, done, done. So you can trickle that out over a very continuous two, three, four weeks and tell that story. So you aren't showing like before behind the scenes now, and then a year from now, (laughs) you know, is a completed project. So you can do that story on your social media. And let's talk about photography again, for social media versus the architectural photography they're not the same thing. We mentioned vignettes. I, I remember I had a photo shoot, it was shot really, really well by a, a really a good photographer. But then when my design assistant was was saying, can we get these shots for social, because we weren't going to submit it. <laughs> can we get these shots for, for vignettes? No clue. No clue as to how to shoot for social so so much. So um, any tips there in looking for a photographer and asking about those qualifications? Is it just as important or don't worry about it?
0: I would definitely ask, and I think that also just making sure that you're looking at their own social media to see the types of shots that they're doing, because I think that if what you're seeing on their social media is not the kind of shots that you want, and that goes for whether it looks like it should be shared on social media versus in a magazine or it has a dark and moody vibe versus a bright and airy aesthetic, you're likely not going to get something different from what you're seeing in their portfolio. That's the most important thing. But something else, and it's hard with designers because I think designers want to feel like they're the designer. They should be able to style their rooms. Bringing in a stylist to bring life to your images, not only for editorial, but for social media, makes the biggest difference. And magazines bring in stylists all the time. So if magazine editors are bringing in stylists and relying on them and photographers are relying on them, then I feel like designers should feel like this is just someone else to help bring my vision to life in a different way. Because I think styling for someone to live in a house is much different from styling for a magazine spread or for social media engagement.
1: Yeah. And styling is, is a different discipline, than interior decorating or interior design, right? It's, it has its own animal Absolutely. in and of itself. So I, I highly recommend it. I'm a terrible stylist.
0: It's so <laughs> hard. And I think being able to realize, you know, what in the background is going to be, like what floral arrangement will pop the background or, you know, whatever it's going to be. And it's funny, I asked a stylist who worked for Better Homes and Gardens amongst a million other magazines. Is there a rule that something that you would never use in styling like something that editors just hate and you know what she said I was blown away orchids orchids really? editors hate orchids so they never <laughs> right. style with orchids
1: huh why is that they just don't photograph well she or just,
2: just said tropey? that she
0: thinks that it's just kind of not considered that like cool or classy <laughs> or I don't, I don't know like in a shot it just maybe it looks too Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Bougie common.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's aspirational, but in the wrong direction. I get it. Okay, so let's talk about the client's. Not every client might be crazy about you doing a shoot uh, for their house. So let's say something short of a client that wants you to sign an NDA, because we do have clients at Wingnut who are working on those kind of projects, try sharing those projects. How are we putting that in our agreements, our contract? How are we putting this to the client to make this a more attractive thing saying, hey, when our design is done, you're not going to be done with us. We might be here for two more days traipsing around your house, styling things the way we want to do it and taking pictures. Okay, great. Thanks. Sign here.
0: Right. Well, and in fact, I just hired a designer to help me with a new renovation for a house we just bought, and it was in the contract. It just simply said, you agree to let us photograph your house when the design is complete, and we will own those images to be used for media. Thing is, you know, I have a designer client from years ago who worked with a huge A-list musician. And she got paid really well for those projects and she had to sign an NDA. And sometimes you have to just say at the end of the day, I'm getting paid for the work that I'm doing. Do you know what I mean? Because especially if you're talking about working with celebrities, I think a lot of designers don't realize that celebrities can be the cheapest people on the planet. They want everything (laughs) for free. And so a lot of times you're giving up money to then have the privilege of using their name in your portfolio. So it's not always either or, but sometimes it is. And I think if somebody asks you to sign an NDA because they have privacy concerns, you are better off signing it because I'm in a position right now, placing an interior design project. And the owner of this home is well-known. He's not like householding. He's a huge entrepreneur. And there were cons- privacy concerns there. And as we started getting into this process, I was like, oh my gosh, like this story is getting less interesting by the second. Because, <laughs> you know, if the, if the client's really concerned about saying where they live, you know, what city they live in or something like that, I mean, right. it's just going to be a headache throughout the entire process. And at the end of the day, you cannot control what the media chooses to include in a project. I mean, they're obviously not going to list the address of the house. But I mean, you can't control whether or not they say Los Angeles or Bel Air Los Angeles or whatever the case may be. And so I say just, you have to just be willing to let it go.
1: And it's such a shame because that could have been an AD cover.
0: (laughs) For sure.
1: (laughs) a celebrity. You
0: know, and maybe you could negotiate where you can use the the images for your portfolio, but not say who the house was. So you at least...
1: Yeah. Do they allow them to use the images for their portfolio at least?
0: Usually they will if they don't say whose house it was.
1: That's too bad. But how likely is that to happen with celebrities or celebrities' attention... I guess, (laughs) that they're more likely to say, yeah, go ahead. It
0: honestly depends on the celebrity. You know, I, a client of mine worked with a lot of celebrities in the beginning of her career. And that's sort of how she built a name for herself. And the celebrity cover ended up being the cover of her book. And that celebrity helped her open her store. And it, it was really great publicity for her. Like we were able to get so many of her projects published because of these celebrity ties, but she wasn't paid very much. And so, you know, it really truly depends. I think if you're the caliber of designer who clients are seeking you out, it's always like who kind of holds the power here. It's like who needs more... I and mean, it sounds horrible, but it's like, do you need the designer more or does the designer need you more? And then that's where the negotiations comes in. And also, I think with celebrities, sometimes they just have teams of people around them protecting them. And in this case, it was that client's attorney was like, "No, you have to sign this NDA."
1: <laughs> Damn, attorney. And so,
0: right. <laughs> so, but then other times it's not at all, and you're dealing. You know, you you DM at a celebrity, and they respond, and they want to they want to get a free living room design or whatever, and they're fine for you. They want the publicity. I think everybody's different.
1: Would you recommend for a designer to take up on that offer if a celebrity reached out and said, hey, I'll be an influencer marketer for you if you design my living room for free? Is that a fair trade?
0: It depends on the celebrity. And the best way to know is to Google the celebrity and see what kind of press they're getting. And is that the kind of press that you would want?
1: Would you do that for Amber Heard right now?
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. Absolutely not. <laughs> <Poor> Absolutely not.
1: <laughs> Maybe this isn't the best time to do that for Amber. Heard. No. All right. No. So um, this is a very competitive market. That We have a wide range of designers listening from solopreneurs to multimillion dollar interior design firms. How do you get to know celebrities <laughs> to get hired? How do you stand out in the saturated market with all this competition?
0: Right. So I think a few ways. I think one is really great press. And especially in the top tier magazines that designers are reading also getting in, like if you are a designer in Los Angeles, I think getting local press is really great. And even, I mean, if you're in a small town, that might be challenging, but if you're in a larger city where you might have some celebrities in your city, then I think getting in those like, you know, modern luxury or whether it's Los Angeles magazine, just anything that's going to draw attention to yourself in that way. I mean, obviously, referrals are huge. If you're trying to actually reach a celebrity, you can try to DM, but I think that you need to have your marketing materials in order. You, it's almost like you need to be prepared for them to actually look at what. Like, if you sent them your website, how does your website look? Would you be so proud if Tom Brady pulled up your website right now and like you were trying to pitch him your business? Like, would you be like? Tom Brady is going to say yes if he clicks on my website because I have put forth all this effort. If Reese Witherspoon lands on your Instagram page, is she going to be impressed by what you've put out into the world? Because that has to come first. You can hire a publicist to help you reach celebrities. I also represent actors and celebrities and personalities, and I have had publicists reach out to me offering various, you know, outdoor makeover. I mean, it's, it's usually not an entire home. It's usually like they're offering one room. So like a patio or, you know, your living room or something like that. And generally, they will waive their fee. So any sort of hourly fee or project fee, that's waived. And then the client generally will have to buy some stuff. But a lot of times the designer is also tasked with getting places to donate product. And then the publicist who has put this all together is then going to pitch the project. So the celebrity gets pressed, the interior designer. So you can hire a publicist to help you make these relationships, someone that already has these kinds of relationships. I've had clients, though, have great partnerships with like maybe not celebrities, but certainly very well-known influencers simply through DMing and developing a relationship through Instagram themselves.
1: I think that's a really good place to start is to start working up the ladder a little bit with influencers and developing that exposure. We have a client, um, she was just on our show, Julian Hendricks, and she won a big project from someone who's moving from California to um, Tampa. And she actually used her Instagram presence that we managed for her to, to hire her over Another designer who she'd also um, interviewed who has their own Netflix show.
0: Interesting. So
1: (laughs) that shows you how important having that backup, that digital backup and having that presence and that website that Tom Brady would be impressed with is really important. So don't forget the basics in that.
0: I think designers sometimes will make the mistake of just trying to cater their style to whatever The client wants. And and obviously, you have to do that to a degree. But if you're trying to build a big personal brand or build a well-known interior design firm with a global reach or a national reach, you've got to be known for something. And so, this is why the word no is so important. It's like turning down the business that you don't want so that you know, for example, people always know it's a Kelly Worsler project because she has such a signature style. Same with Corey Damon-Jenkins. Same with I mean, there's a, you know, a million people where you can pick out, oh, that's theirs, and you hired them for that. And so that's where I think with the celebrities, you don't want to just work with any celebrity. It needs to be in line also with your values and your aesthetic and, you know, the types of press that you want. So there's this wonderful cohesion and like, it's a great partnership. And you're not just working with a celebrity for the sake of having a celebrity on your roster.
1: Yeah. Molly, can you get Kelly Wurstler on my podcast? Okay, great. Thanks. (laughs) That's all I want before I die. I'll get right on that. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that so much.
0: Molly, I think we've covered
1: a lot of good ground here. Now I've got to ask you if you're ready for the What Up Wingnut round.
0: I mean, I'm as ready as I'll ever be.
2: Now it's time for What Up Wingnut.
1: What would the hashtag on your tombstone be?
0: This is the hardest question I've ever been asked. This sounds so cheesy, but I feel like I hope it says she was loved. Hashtag she was loved
1: so sweet. You're stuck on a deserted island, but you can have your favorite food forever. What's it going to be?
0: It's going to be like Naples style pizza, thin crust. My husband and I go to Italy like every other week and get pizza there. Oh my god, I could eat it every day for every meal.
1: (laughs) Wow, nice. Put me in a suitcase. Last but not least, please recommend a book that has impacted you either personally or professionally.
0: I had to narrow this down to two because I have one for business and one for pleasure that sure, I feel okay. everyone should read. So Seth Godin, This is Marketing. This was so impactful for me because my background was strictly publicity. And so I think this really taught me so much just about modern marketing. And I love Seth Godin's tag, sort of people like us do things like this and really diving into how you can be of service to people and reach the people that you're trying to impact. My second book, I actually had to look up how to pronounce the author's last name. It is called The Mystery Guest. And it is this delightful memoir that you absolutely have to read. I reread it every single year. It's by Grugois Bouillet.
1: Common spelling. It's
0: funny. It's sad. It's a delight. It talks about sort of the significance that we place on things in our lives. He gets broken up with, um, like his, his long-term relationship. She leaves him one day and for the next however many years that has so much significance in terms of like every single thing that happens to him. He blames on the fact that this woman walked out of their relationship. And it's just, (laughs) it's just so relatable. And I I love this. It's one of my favorite books.
1: Awesome. Molly Schoenveld, thank you so much for joining us. Please tell the wingnuts where they can go to find out more about you and your awesome sauce services. And we will call it a day.
0: Yes. So you can find me at www.thestorygroup.com. You can find me on Instagram at the storied group, or my personal Instagram is molly.shoneveld and that's a hard one to spell, but... <laughs>
1: Now I know you did watch Designing Women because you said (laughs) WWW.
0: Exactly. And I just gave you my age. See, I'm not as young as you you thought. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Hilarious. Oh, my God. I'm such a dork. WWW. Like, no one knows what that
1: is. (laughs) WWW. Molly, thank you so much for joining us. This has been great.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: All right. Thank you for joining us today, Molly. What do you say? Are you out there? You ready to get published? I think that Molly gave you some excellent tips. And at the end of the day, if you're having issues, you know who to go to. Check her out, Molly Schoeneveld. All of that information can be found in the uh, notes below here, right? If you're on our YouTube channel, or head on over to wingnutsocial.com slash podcast. Look for this episode with Molly. You can get all the deets here. You don't have to worry about taking any notes because we do that for you. You're welcome. Make sure to tune in next week. We air episodes every week on both the podcast and on the YouTube channel. Hit that like and subscribe button. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel and you've only been listening to the podcast, you can get some different takes on the YouTube channel, different editors, some different things going on. So make sure to check that out. Tell all your friends, what the hell, tell your enemies. Remember when I used to say that all the time, I forgot about it. And that's it for this week. Until next week, remember to get out there, get uncomfortable.